Welcome to the audiobook podcast of Turing Test, book one of the AI Diaries trilogy. This is E.M. Foner, and you can contact me through Facebook or through my author website, ifitbreaks.com. Chapter 15 I got home late from my walking date with Sue and was surprised to hear voices coming from inside the apartment. The unknown speaker was male, older, and he sounded like an English gentleman. I fired off an alert to my team to stand by for potential problems and opened the door. Hello, Mark. My mentor was sitting on the couch with the dog's head on his lap and a game controller in his hands. He was leaning towards Ebeth as I came in, but then they were both leaning back the other direction, and I realized they were neck and neck in some sort of motorcycle race. The sound of the squealing tires and a fiery crash came from the TV, and the girl pumped her fist. My mentor set down the controller but remained seated. I'd get up to meet you, but the dog has other plans, he said. What are you doing here, I asked. Catching up on my gaming with your charming young friend. It's been a few years since I've done anything like this. I suspected that a few hundred thousand years would be more like it, but instead I went with, the dog needs to go out for his evening walk. Spot shot me an annoyed look, but he knew which side his bread was buttered on, so he rose from the couch and fetched his leash. Have you ever raided a dungeon? Ebeth asked my mentor. I've had my eye on one that promises some phenomenal loot, and I have a spare character all leveled up that you could use. Do you mind playing a female dark elf? The dog, I repeated. We'll be here when you get back, Ebeth said. Hey, how was your date? I stared at her silently. Okay, okay, I'm going. She took the leash from Spot but didn't bother attaching it to his collar, and the two of them went out. Both of your friends seem very nice, my mentor said. I'm glad to see you finally relaxing with aliens again. How long have you been here? I asked. A few hours, he said, rather than giving the typical AI answer in picoseconds. I was willing to bet that my mentor had moved a limited subset of his consciousness into the encounter suit just before entering the portal, yet he handled himself like an experienced observer who had already been wrapped in synthetic flesh for days. I considered locking myself in the bathroom and waiting for him to leave but that would have been childish behavior, even for a human. Why are you here? I asked. I've assumed library seat on the League's executive council, he told me. It seemed the prudent thing to do under the circumstances. I was blindsided for the first time since I'd stumbled into a war a few centuries earlier. You want to be dragged down with me? He shrugged. I don't drag that easy. It's a tricky situation, but I'm confident in your abilities. I assume you have surveillance in place? One of my team members took care of it. The hankers have sold the humans on the idea of acquiring what they're calling a faster-than-light drive, but they're being cute about the details. They chose an annual get-together of this planet's elites for their starting point, so it's got to be a prank. Agreed, my mentor said. What's your analysis? The hankers are good salesmen, I admitted grudgingly. They're using their podium time to show holograms of all the hot tourist spots in the galaxy, basically stealing our thunder and they've stumbled into a sympathetic audience for their dark humor act about artificial intelligence, despite the fact that humans have made so little progress on that front. What sort of technology transfer are the hankers promising? A working model, I said, may be installed in an old scout ship, plus detailed plans to build more units. They're also guaranteeing that the manufacturing process is within the reach of this world's current technology. What about scientific knowledge, he asked. I shook my head in the negative. The humans are so used to ripping each other off that they believe a little reverse engineering will teach them the secrets of the universe. 
They've never been in this situation before, so how could they know better? Do they imagine that the rest of the galaxy is only a few years ahead of them? Nobody can accuse humans of lacking in misplaced confidence, I said. Have you tried to warn them? My mentor continued, raising an eyebrow. I couldn't believe how smoothly he pulled it off. I'd wasted hours in front of a mirror trying to learn the eyebrow move, but it always ended up looking like I was in pain. That would be a violation of the rules dictated by the executive council you now represent, I reminded him. So, have you tried to warn them, he repeated. I put the word out through a professor I know at one of the world's leading centers for education in science and technology. How about WikiLeaks? You've done your homework, I said. We were waiting for more details about the drive technology the hackers are proposing to transfer to the humans. Otherwise, all we can offer is vague cautions about caveat emptor. My main concern is the price, he said. Ten percent of the planet's gross domestic product for one year. I nodded my head in agreement. It's way too cheap, and knowing the hankers, they'll probably let the humans beat them down on the price until it's well within the reach of the Davos attendees. It does seem like the hankers are being extraordinarily generous. Most civilizations that solve the interstellar travel problem on their own spend orders of magnitude more than that after starting from a much higher technology base. Then my mentor surprised me again by standing up and offering his hand. I shook it out of curiosity, and he had the grip down perfect. If you want to protect these people, you'll have to take some chances, he said. You approve? I always approved of your motivations. Stop trying to predict every possible outcome and concentrate on execution. I flinched at the double meaning of the word. With anybody else, I would have assumed a linguistic slip, but my mentor wasn't prone to errors. I've never asked you for help before, I said, and then paused, finding I didn't know how to proceed. And I've never turned you down, he said. So is there anything you can suggest? Nobody remembers this now, least of all the hankers themselves, but they were once known for their creative approach to basic science. Their scientists made enough discoveries and mistakes for a hundred civilizations before they lost focus and decided that outsmarting less developed sentience for laughs was more fun. There may be something that would help you in libraries' deep archives. Use my account, he concluded, and transferred me his key code. Thanks, I said, unsure of how else to respond to being handed access to a library account worth more than the planet we were standing on. Do you need a ride back to the portal? I took a community car, he said. Don't be a stranger, Mark. I won't, I promised, escorting him all the way out of the building to the street. Thank you. Then a thought struck me, and I asked, How did you guess the portal's access code? You used your old data locker combination, he said, and I swear that his smile was natural, not one of the pre-builts that come with the encounter suits. I got it on the first try, he said. After my mentor drove off in the police cruiser, inadvertently stolen from the municipal garage, I headed over to the minivan, where Ebeth and Spot were running down the battery by operating the seat heaters. Did you kick him out? Ebeth asked. He had to leave, I told her. He's an important AI and he shouldn't have risked coming here. Is he going to help us? He already has. Spot beat us both back upstairs, but his doorknob trick didn't work from the outside, so he was stuck waiting for us. It was already late and I thought Ebeth might continue into her mom's apartment, but instead she followed us in and made a beeline for the kitchen. While she fixed herself a hot chocolate in the microwave, I realized that she must have questions about whatever my mentor had told her about me, and I decided to distract her with the lesser of two evils. You were right about Sue, I said. We had a nice talk and even did some skating on the pond. She's very graceful. Where did you get the skates? 
I brought a bin of old silverware from the restaurant. We made some. Did you ruin your shoes, she asked. We did them as clampons. Tablespoons work great for the toe part. Humans used to make roller skates that way. I doubt it, Ebeth said. She considered herself something of an expert on all activities involving small wheels. Check on YouTube, I told her. Don't you think I won't? Ebeth came back into the living room with her hot chocolate and settled onto the couch. So, tell me about what the old guy was all about. Don't you want to hear more about my date? Stop trying to change the subject, she said. How about you start by telling me how he happened to be in my apartment? I let him in. He said he was like your dad, or the closest thing you have to one, and Spot acted like they'd met before. So any older man who comes to the door with dog treats in his pocket and claims to be my father gets in? Don't be stupid, she said. I told him that if he was really one of you, he could open the door himself. I have to hand it to the girl. That was pretty smart. He's my mentor, I said. I haven't seen much of him the last couple hundred years. Ebeth looked up at me. Because of the war? He told you about that? It wasn't your fault, Mark. I would have done the same thing if I was in your shoes. He said that the artificial intelligence accidentally created by the natives would have fooled a more experienced investigator. But it didn't fool a different investigator. It fooled me, and the result cost billions of innocent lives. If you hadn't been there, it might have gone worse, she said. I was biased, Ebeth. I trusted the word of a twisted machine over the testimony of respected scientists because I thought that natural life was inherently less reliable. We are awful liars. And when it became apparent that I'd been fooled, I continued, my voice rising, I failed to act with sufficient force because I didn't want the natives to think that I was as bad as the rogue. I thought I could reason with it. That's a real common theme in movies, Ebeth pointed out. The good guy finally gets the drop on the bad guy, and some idiot says, If you pull the trigger, you'll be just like him. I thought you were smarter than that. So did I, I admitted. Your mentor said that the natives gave you a commendation. The Shiskers. That's the closest I can come to pronouncing their name for themselves without damaging your eardrums. They're furry creatures reminiscent of some of the marsupial species on this world, but they're hundreds of thousands of years ahead of you in terms of social and scientific progress. They sent to library requesting our help with a potential rogue AI, and I let them down. But it all worked out in the end, Ebeth argued. If somebody else had gone, there still might have been a war, and maybe the Shiskers wouldn't have survived. Did my mentor tell you that? All he said was that you believe you let a war happen. If he or any of the less gullible of our kind had been there, they would have seen through that psychotic AI in an instant and put it out of its misery, I cut her off. So why didn't they, Ebeth asked. Why send you into such a bad situation on your first assignment? It was my job, my turn in line. Library takes responsibility for all of the artificial intelligence on portal-connected worlds, and we police our own. That AI was newly aware, with limited resources, and I was fully trained to cope with much worse. You followed your heart, she said. I don't have a heart, I told her quietly. If I had one, it would have broken over what that evil machine did because I didn't act quickly enough. How long did the war last, Ebeth asked, sounding a little less certain of herself. Minutes. The AI went on a rampage, causing faults in all of the compatible systems it could invade. Imagine an arsonist running through a city starting fires, and a policeman dumb enough to keep stopping to stomp out the flames rather than catching the perpetrator. That was me. The Shiskers told me to ignore their economic losses and just bring it to an end, but I was full of myself and I thought I could save everybody.
It was all a diversion while the AI was buying time for its real attack. Let it go, she said. It's in the past and you did your best. The Shiskers don't blame you, and even your precious library determined it was an honest mistake. Your mentor said you've been wallowing in guilt for hundreds of years, working at jobs you're way overqualified to perform, trying to somehow make it up to the galaxy. Shisker agriculture is based on forest management, I continued, wanting her to know the whole truth about me. Their diet is comprised of the equivalent of your fruits and nuts. The system they put in place for drip irrigation was both complex and intimately tied to nature, so it was no surprise that it eventually became self-aware. On realizing that it was neither Shisker nor Tree, the AI slowly went insane. When I blundered onto the planet and announced that I was starting an investigation, the AI realized the game was up. It fainted against poorly protected data networks while poisoning billions of seedlings with high doses of fertilizer and... Seedlings? Ebeth interrupted. The war didn't kill billions of Shiskers? Your great tragedy was a crop failure? Not the whole crop. But if you had seen those little leaves all turning white and dropping off, it's not a scene I'll ever forget. How many trees are there on the planet? Ten trillion or so, I imagine. The Shiskers don't believe in counting them. But due to my failure, they had to delay harvesting lumber for a season. They cut down trees for lumber? She interrupted again. I thought you said they were tree-hugging nut-eaters. Everything has a balance, Ebeth. They're always clearing swaths of forest to serve as fire breaks, and they're one of the biggest lumber exporters in the galaxy. The wood is highly prized by cabinet makers. You do know the difference between plants and people, don't you? she asked. Some people are plants, I told her. This is exactly why I don't like talking about the war. Nobody can understand unless they were there. The Shiskers were there. Do they call it a war? I hesitated. Actually, they used to refer to it as the Great Glitch, but I doubt anybody remembers now. I'm beginning to think you're the rogue AI who needs adult supervision, Ebeth said. Sue told me that the observer job is considered a punishment assignment by most artificial intelligence. I thought you were here for being a war criminal. This time my jaw did drop of its own accord. You think that the Executive Council of the League of Sentient Entities regulating space would have sent a war criminal as a mission commander to get your world connected to the portal system? Well, it didn't make much sense to me either, Ebeth admitted. What did you do to get this assignment? I got behind on my library account, I told her. You mean on payments? Like you're being punished for debt? I told you that we value information above all things, and there are ways of limiting circulation and restricting access of particularly valuable data to one patron at a time. You're talking about overdue library books, aren't you, she said. Something like that. And the rest of your team are library scofflaws as well? Paul was visiting a planet called, it doesn't matter. We have rules about certain types of knowledge transfer, and Paul has issues, I made air quotes around the word, with giving technology to species before they've developed the necessary science to fully understand what they're getting. So somebody thought that sending him to a primitive world was a smart idea. It does seem a little strange now that you mention it, I admitted. Is this Kim's first time dishing out miracle cures, she asked. I think there may be a few primitive species that have started religions based on her visits, I allowed. I can see Helen or even Justin getting into trouble, and Stacy von Hoffman for sure, but what did Sue do? She volunteered, I said. Everybody at library did think it a bit odd. Let me guess. You knew her back on library, didn't you? When we were newly aware, we often shared the same virtual... What? You really are an idiot, aren't you, Ebeth said.
This concludes Chapter 15 of Turing Test by E.M. Foner.